to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 5, and I want to, I want to preach on a story that if you grew up in church, the chances are high that you are familiar with this story. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, uh, if I say, any dip, 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 some of you know what I'm talking about. In children's church or Sunday school, we used to sing that song, any dip, any dip, any dip, any dip, any dip. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, hang on, you're about to learn. But I want to talk about a man in the Bible who learned the lesson of faith. And we're going to read it in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come to me. And Stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? And so he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan. Now you see where I said, and he dipped, and he dipped, and he dipped, and he dipped, and he dipped. We were teaching our kids that, see. He dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And look what happened. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Can you say amen to that great word of God? You can be seated this morning. Thanks for reverence in the word. All right, so here's the story. There's a man named Naaman. He was the commander of the army of Syria. Syria was normally uh, the enemy to Israel and the people of God. And they would, they would attack Israel. And anyway, Naaman was this commander of the entire army. So he was a mighty valiant warrior. But there's more to the story of Naaman. You probably picked up it in the text. Naaman was a leper. He had leprosy, that horrible disease that eats away at your flesh, kills your nerve endings, just terrible. Unlike the Hebrews, the Syrians didn't require a leper to be quarantined. So he was able to live in the Syrian culture and society. Um, In one of the attacks in Israel, they had taken captive a young girl And he brought her back to Syria, and she became a servant to his wife. And she told his wife, she said, oh, that my master could encounter the prophet in Israel. He would heal him. And so his wife told Naaman this. And Naaman told his king, Ben-Hadad. And so Ben-Hadad decided to go through political channels. And he wrote a letter to the king of Israel and said, "Uh, here's some money I'm sending my commander to you. Heal him of his leprosy. Thank you. It's kind of funny, isn't it? And the king of Israel said, who am I? I'm not God. I can't heal this guy. 
Um, what is he trying to do? He's trying to provoke a fight with me. He's trying to start a war. And Elisha, the prophet, heard about it, and he said to the king, tell him to come see me, and I'll take care of this, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Read into that, because there's more. He wanted them to know that there was a true and a living God. His name is Jehovah. So Naaman came to Elisha's house to be healed. And Elisha responded to him and gave him a simple command. We read it. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be healed. Elisha did not come up. So let me just point out some things to you. Elisha did not come up with this idea. This was a God idea. The man of God was simply telling him what the Lord told him to do. And when I read that, it makes me want to say to you, brothers and sisters, you should listen to the man of God. That was pitiful. That was weak. Hopefully somebody online, amen me. Let me try that again. You should listen to the man of God. There it is. God gives us messages to preach. And he wants you to hear that word and he wants you to obey that word. I have seen people respond to the preaching of the word and listen to the man of God and they have experienced blessing and power and glory and victory and healing and miracles. And in 32 plus years of ministry, I have seen people ignore the preaching or ignore the godly advice given to them by their pastor and they said, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then ultimately, they suffered terrible loss and defeat and, and bad things happen in their life. When God speaks and the man of God gives you a word and you know that it's the word of God. I'm not talking about somebody who said, well, I got a word for you. You better judge that word. I'm talking about when we're preaching the word of God, the Bible, and you've got that word or you get counsel that's based on the word of God. You are hearing not just from the man of God, you're hearing from God. And so it's always good to listen to the man of God because God expects you to listen and apply what you hear to your life. The second thing I notice is, do you notice that the command was a very simple one? Go wash. And I thought, God never asks us to do anything that is beyond our ability. You, you can never rightfully say, well, I can't do that. Pastor, you're preaching and you say, you know, here's the word of the Lord. I need to change my life. I need to make this decision. I need, to, I need to make this decision about moral issues. I can't do that. That's not true. Whatever God asks us to do, he always gives us the ability to do it. You can carry out and obey every precept in God's word. Amen? Okay, so here's the third thing. Elisha's command had a catch to it. And this is kind of the gist of my message. He said, do it over and over again. As a matter of fact, do it seven times. When you go wash, wash seven times. Be persistent. Stick with it. Don't give up. Don't stop at two dips or five dips or even six dips. You got to do seven. And here's the secret that I want to present to you this morning. Faith that works is faith that persists. Faith that works is faith that persists. Now, I can even flip this around. Faith that persists is faith that works. That's why I entitled this message, Faith That Keeps Going and Going and Going, which makes you think of what? Yeah, the ever-ready bunny. Right? And so I can work a commercial into my sermon. The point of the battery is if you'll buy that battery, 
that the battery will just keep whatever is it's powering going and going and going. And so what I'm trying to say to you is you have to have a faith that doesn't give up, that keeps going. Now, let me just do some teaching and then I'll do some preaching. Our life is a life of faith. If you're saved, we live in faith. This is true in our general daily living, okay? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith is supposed to be a lifestyle. Every day in your life, you don't just have faith on Sunday or when you're praying. You walk and live in faith every moment of every day. You're trusting God. You're having confidence in God, whether it's in your marriage, raising your kids, operating your business, handling your finances. We're, we're constantly trusting God. Then we have what I call those incidental moments where it takes incidental faith, where you pray and say, God, I have this specific need. I really need you to step in and meet this need. God, I need a miracle. God, I need healing. God, I need a financial miracle. And so whether it is the general faith or incidental faith, we live the life of faith. And so you need a faith that persists. Here's why. Because you may pray and nothing happens. And if that occurs... You need to understand that that doesn't mean God is ignoring you. As a matter of fact, when you pray, there are three answers that we understand from the Bible. Yes, God says yes to your answer or your, your prayer. God says no. And, and then sometimes God says wait. And it has been around a long time, but it is a saying worth bringing to the pulpit today. Delay is not denial. Just because God says wait doesn't mean that he's saying no. And the Bible says they that wait shall. Something's going to happen. The other way shall renew their strength. So, so we have to learn not to give up. We have, to, we have to create a lifestyle and a mindset and a spiritual set that says, I'm, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek him and I'm going to keep on until God answers my prayer. Why? Because he may be testing your faith. Like, are you going to pray one time, and then if I don't do it right then, are you going to give up, or are you going to persist? Now, let me teach you three things. There are three things that I know. Number one, God has a plan for your life. I believe that. I, I believe everyone here should have a sense of destiny. You, have, you, you are destined to things. I don't know if you have that sense of destiny as far as this earth is concerned, and sometimes I start talking like this, and people think, well, are you talking about my job, my career, not, not really necessarily. I'm talking about your life in Christ and what God wants to do through you. You have a destiny. There are things that God wants to do in you and through you. God has a plan for your life. And your, your job every day is to discover what that is and then walk in it. Because your destiny is not just for your life on this earth. Your destiny extends beyond into eternity. How many know God's got a lot of good things destined for us? Okay, a new heavens and a new earth and a millennial reign for a thousand years, and we're going to be priests and kings. You don't, you're, even, you're not even hardly scratching the surface of your destiny in Jesus Christ. You, you realize that, right? All right, we're just not even getting started good. So God has a plan for your life. The second thing is God is in control. You can get through anything in this life if you will simply just tell yourself God is in control. You can be in the worst situation. Your world is rocking. You feel like you're in the vortex and you're out of control. But what you do is say, I may be out of control, but God's still sitting on the throne. He still is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This it may be rattling me, but it hasn't shaken him. And God's got this. God is in control. That'll get you through anything.
Here's the third thing that I know and you need to get. So God has a plan. God is in control of my life. Here's the third thing. God has his own timing. Now, we need to just go ahead and recognize that sometimes what our timing is is not his timing. Our schedule is not his schedule. Our calendar doesn't match his calendar. And sometimes that throws us. And we just have to learn, if we're going to be persistent in faith, that just because you pray one time and don't get the answer, that you don't quit and give up and say, start making excuses or, or even have a faith crisis, what you have to say is, okay, God didn't answer it this time, but I'm going to keep pressing on. There, I was studying, and I read something, and, and it sparked a me- what I thought was going to be a sermon, a message. So I started working on it. And I had the notes, and then I started working on this message for Sunday, and then I started thinking about those notes, and I thought, I don't need to preach a sermon. I need to preach that in this message. There, were, there was a brother and two sisters, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, okay? And Jesus loved them, and he would go to their house and spend a lot of time with them at Bethany. Well, Lazarus got sick, and Mary and Martha sent him word, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, and the implication was, come heal him. All right, well, Jesus waited two days and did not come on purpose, And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has died and he's been in a tomb for four days. Now watch this. Both Mary and Martha on two separate occasions, they're not together. Both of them responded to Jesus this way as soon as they saw him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. How many times have you prayed and nothing changed and you said, Lord, if if you'd have been here, this wouldn't be like this. Lord, if you'd have showed up, Lord, if you'd have answered my prayer, Lord, if you'd have done what I asked you to do, come on, am I the only person here or is anybody else in this house, is this resonating? That's what I thought. See, it's a faith thing. Lord, why aren't you answering my prayer? If you'd have just showed up, it's gotten worse, not better. Lord, where, where are you? If you'd have showed up, my situation would not be like this. Okay, here's the thing. Jesus showed up. He just showed up when he was good and ready. And he wasn't there for healing. He was there for a resurrection. And sometimes what you, I feel the anointing to preach this morning. Sometimes what you think is the answer is not the answer. Sometimes God has a different answer in his wisdom. That's the better answer. But you want him to do plan A when God says, if I do plan A, that's not what's best for you. We're going to do plan B. He said, well, the man died and they stuck him in a tomb. Yeah, but think how cool it was when he went into the heart of the earth and he was down there talking with Adam and Eve and all the prophets and all the, that would have been pretty cool. Think of the story he had to tell. And he's down there and then Jesus raises him from the dead and through the corridors of the earth, he hears, Lazarus. And Lazarus said, that's me. Sorry, y'all, got to go. And out he came. That's a pretty cool thing. Wouldn't have happened if he'd have healed him. But here's an even greater reason. And we need to understand this. Because so often we live life for us. But you live your life for him. So like the Westminster Catechism says, that the chief end of, of man is to glorify God. Like, what, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? To bring recognition to God. I want people to look at me and not see me. I want people to see Jesus in me. And so he told the disciples, I know he's sick and I know what they want, but this is for the glory of God. And, and yeah, he, God would get glory if I healed him. 
But think of the glory my father's going to get if I raise him from the dead. And he did. And the Bible says that many people believed in him when they saw Lazarus resurrected from the dead. Y'all, we just have to trust in God's wisdom that he knows better. And even though it's the answer that we don't want, it is the answer that is best that ultimately brings glory to God. So you have to trust him. And so your job is to simply believe and hold tenaciously to God until the answer comes through. Matthew 7, 7, and 8, words in red, Jesus said them, ask and you shall receive. Seek, y'all know this one, you want to say it with me? Seek and you will knock and the door will be open. Let's keep going. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the the door will be open. Now, what your Bible doesn't say to you, and this is why God calls people like me, is to study it and show you that when Jesus spoke in that original Greek language, he used a tense form that is the present tense. And so it does no harm to the scriptures. As a matter of fact, it, it exaggerates the scripture correctly to show you that what he was saying was, ask, keep on asking, and you shall receive. Seek and Keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on banging on the door. That's not what it says. It says knock and keep on knocking, but I like banging on the door better. And the door will be open. Have you ever had a, one of your kids or somebody or just somebody, your friend, come to your house, and they get your doorbell, and they start going, ding, 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 what do you do? Do you just let it go? You go to the door and say, stop that. Get on my nerves. That's, that's, you ever lost your keys? Honey, where's my keys? I can't find my keys. Where are my keys? Where's the last place? To, I don't know. I'm looking where are the keys. I can't find the keys. I can't, they're, I'm looking. I, I need my, I got to get to work. I can't get to work. I can't find my keys. Pull the drawer open. There are my keys. How do my keys get there? Oh, I put them there. I don't think Leah's here so I can preach on Leah today. How many of you men have a wife that can't stand things on? I'm about to get in trouble because I bet she's at home watching me right now, baby. I'm sorry. And your wife cannot stand stuff on the counter, and so she grabs it and shoves it in a drawer. Let me see the head of all the men. I feel your pain. My wife did that with a tax bill one time. Oh, yeah, I got pulled by a state trooper one Sunday night after church. He said, your tax expired. I said, no, it's not. He said, yes, sir, it is. I said, officer, with all due respect, I pay my taxes religiously. I, I'm telling you it's not. He said, get out of the car and come back here, sir. He shined that flashlight, and I said, well, what do you know? It's expired. <laughs> I said, I don't understand how that happened. He said, well, I'm going to give you a warning, but you need to fix that. I said, I will. I got in the car. I said, Leah, I know I lay that tax bill out on a certain place. I said, and it, it evidently got gone. I said, I don't know. We went home, and I found it in a drawer. I said, Leah. But the only way I found it is I had to seek. I didn't give up. Are you getting this? Is anybody getting this this morning? What I'm trying to teach you is when you come to God, don't give up. Don't pray one time and quit. Don't knock on heaven's door and quit. Don't, don't look for God to do something when it doesn't happen. Say, oh, well, and throw up your hands. You pray and you persist and you, you go after God and you hold tenaciously until God comes through for you. 
Let me tell you a story in Matthew 20. There were two men that were blind at the city of Jericho. And they're begging on the side of the road. So obviously they can't see, they can hear real well. And they hear a commotion in the crowd, and it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And, I mean, they're, it's right there at them. And so the beggars ask someone who's there, what's going on? And they said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's passing by. Well, they had heard. See, they couldn't see, but they had heard people walking up and down that road talking about Jesus and the miracles. Faith cometh by hearing. A little King James there. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And so as they hear and they can tell it's at the point where Jesus, they start yelling at the top of their lungs, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd said, be quiet. That's what it sounded like to them. You get in our nerves, be quiet. But the Bible says they cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on us. And the Bible says that the Son of God stopped and went over to them. And they're, they're listen now, listen, I'm trying to teach you something this morning. And their persistence paid off. And he said, what do you want? And they said, Lord, that we can see. He said, okay. And he had compassion on them. And he healed them. And their eyes were open. And they got a miracle. Listen to me. You can't give up. You just got to pray. Satan, you know, Pastor, every Sunday I come down the altar, keep coming. Every day I'm on my knees and I'm praying the same thing. Keep praying it. I've been praying about this thing for weeks. Keep praying it because it might turn to months. Yeah, but what happens if it goes to months? Keep praying it. It might even turn to years. Well, shouldn't I just quit? Oh, no, don't quit. You've invested that much. What if you quit that day and the next day your miracle is coming? Why? Because God has a plan. God's in charge. And God has his own time. Are you getting it? So Naaman, let's talk about Naaman for a minute, and I'm going to get in your mess. If I don't get in your mess, I don't preach, right? I mean, I get in your mess about every week. Okay, so I'm going to get in your mess. So Naaman gets this simple command, and he did not react well to Elisha's command. He's a general. He's used to giving commands. I don't think he was used to getting them. And so he gets his command. And so it's clear to me that Naaman wanted three things with his healing. He wanted personal, immediate attention. He wanted a public and sensational experience. And he wanted no demands on him that would be personally inconvenient. And he didn't get any of that. It's, everything was the opposite. And so obviously there is a pride issue here with Naaman. I haven't talked about pride, but let's talk about pride for a little bit. Here's Naaman standing out there saying, does he not know who I am? Does he not know who I am? I'm Naaman. I'm the commander of the entire army of Syria. I'm a valiant warrior. I am in high, held in high esteem by the king. I have the ear of the king. Does he not know who I am? Who does he think he is? He needs to get, and he got insulted. Because when you're proud and then people do things against you, then you get insulted. So he got insulted. Y'all, I love this. It sounds just like a preacher. Elisha wouldn't even, send, wouldn't even go out there and talk to himself. He sent a servant out there. Now that's low, isn't it? I mean, that's like, that's, that's, you know, that'd, be like, that'd like be like the governor coming to your house and you sent your, your, your teenager out there and said, my daddy said this. <laughs> it's funny when you think about it that way, isn't it? 
So Elisha sends his servant out there. So yeah, Elijah says, you need to just go to Jordan, dip seven times, you'll be healed. Bye. He walked in. Oh, it's a name. He's insulted. He's insulted because uh, he wouldn't come out. So then he's insulted that he was told to wash in the muddy Jordan River. So that would be demeaning and embarrassing. Then he's insulted that he would have to go through this process. It wasn't going to be just like that. That would cost him. He'd get wet, and there's a lot of sediment and silt in the river, so he'd get dirty. And his reaction was anger that turned into rage. And the more he thought about it and talked about it, the more angry he got. Anybody ever done that before? I have. The more you talk about it, just the worse it gets. And by the way, proud people have often have bad tempers. Proud people, because when they don't get their way, they throw temper tantrums. Ain't going to get a whole lot of amens right there. But it's the truth. And right now, you may be saying, uh, okay, well, I'm right there with you, preacher. That's right. He was. Old Naaman, you're right. Well, be careful. Don't be quick, too quick to judge him because his shoe might fit your foot. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a series of questions. I've always said that pastors and preachers should ask more questions than they do give answers. So let me just ask you some questions. Isn't it true that we prefer immediate results when we pray? We want instant healing. We want a prompt change to our negative circumstance. We want God to change our character and change it right now. God, give me patience and give it to me now. It's a little joke. Don't we like a sensational moment when the pastor, elder, or evangelist lays hands on us? Don't we desire for our problem to be resolved and over with? Get it over with, God. Why? So I can get on with my life. Amen, pastor. Keep on preaching. You're doing good. All right, I will. Do you get chafed if you have to wait on God to answer your prayer? Does it rub you wrong if someone other than the pastor prays for you? I've seen that happen. Do you struggle with having to endure a trial or suffering or a problem while you wait on God to come through for you? I'm preaching where we live, aren't I? We've all been there. And I'm not preaching this to make us feel bad. I'm just saying if there are things, especially if there's pride that keeps us from getting our miracle and keeps us from trusting God, whether that's in our daily life or for something specific, we need to deal with it. Because pride can move you to be angry with God. Pride can move you to be angry with the church, angry with the pastor. I've seen people stomp out of a relationship with God because they didn't get their way. Stomp out of the pastor's office. Stomp out of their ministry. Stomp out of their church. Stomp out of their marriage. Stomp out of their whole family. Turn their back on the whole family because they did not get their way. And so what we need to understand today is that God may be dealing with with us. God may be dealing with you about some personal things in your life, and you're praying and saying, God, I want you to do this. And God may be saying, but you know what? We need to deal with some things. There's a greater need than what you're praying for. You You need to get humble. You need to learn patience. I need to work on your character. And so I'm going to make you wait. And and you're going to learn faith and how to trust me. And that's a good thing. Because your miracle may be right around the corner, and all you have to do is sacrifice your ego and humbly do things God's way. 
So will you obey his word wholeheartedly, regardless of what anyone else may think? Those are good questions today, brothers and sisters. And if we will answer them honestly and look in the mirror and see, I'm just going to, I'm going to preach extemporaneously here right now. I, I have just seen people because of pride miss their blessing. I have seen people, an altar call has been given and they wouldn't get out of the seat and just walk down the aisle and come down here where God was ready to touch them. Can God touch you back there? Absolutely. But sometimes you need to get out of that seat and get down to the altar. And by the way, this is your altar area. Don't ever let the devil talk it. This is your, this belongs to you right here. This is where you meet with God. Don't you ever worry about getting out of your seat and coming down here. But we're, what will my wife think? What will my husband think? What will my parents think? What will my mom, my mom and dad think? What will the preacher think? I'm, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a volunteer in this church. I, I hold a leadership title in this church. What will, I, I can't go down there. And Yes, you, you come to the altar. Pride will get in the way. And you just have to say, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. The only person I care about is, is what God thinks. And I get to the altar, and that's where you find your miracle. And so pride will stop the persistence. Humility says, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not going to let go of him until he blesses me. That's why you hear me joke about I'm 54. And when I got in my 50s, I realized it's liberating because I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I mean, I don't have anything to prove. I mean, I, 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 I'm, they're not going to ask me to pose on a cover of any magazine. You know what I'm saying? I got nothing to prove to anybody. Okay? So when you're young, you worry about what everybody thinks. And when I was young, I would worry about what people think and worry about. But at my age, you don't give a flying flip anymore. It's liberating. But I've seen people my age still with pride. And I'm just saying, when you can get to that point where you humble yourself, now let's go back to spiritual things. You humble yourself and you just say, God, I don't, I don't, there's nothing in this world. I don't care what people think. I don't care about my reputation. I, I just need you. I need a touch from you. That's when the doors of heaven and here it comes. God's going to work in you. So Naaman, stomping and a romping and a snorting and a spitting and cussing and because he's not saved, so he's cussing. It's my sermon. I'll preach it the way I want to. He's mad. The more he talks, the madder he gets. And his servants let him get it out of his system. And then they go over to him and they said, Master, listen, if he wants you to do something great, you do it because you're a mighty warrior. But the point is, he doesn't want you to do anything great. He just wants you to go do a simple thing. Think about it. Just go do it. There's a really powerful secret there. Sometimes the answer lies in doing the simple thing. If you read your Bible and God's word, your readings, God speaks to you through something that you read and says, you're supposed to do this. Guess what? You just do it. I feel like a Nike commercial. Just do it. You don't analyze it. You don't qualify it. You don't alter it, amend it. You just say, I'm just simply going to do what, 
God says I'm supposed to tithe, I'm going to tithe. God says I'm supposed to help give to missions, I'm going to give to missions. God says I'm supposed to, to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That's how I'm going to do it. If the Bible says I'm supposed to submit to my husband as, as the church submits to Christ, I'm going to do that. And we're going to love each other and surrender to each other and care for each other. If I'm supposed to raise my children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, then that's what I'm going to do. You see what I'm saying? You just do what it says. And y'all, you, you'll be amazed how the blessings of God will flow in your life. God didn't expect Naaman to perform some great exploit. He just wanted him to do what he told him to do. Just obey. Go wash seven, seven times. So Naaman laid aside his pride, and he humbly went made a trip to the Jordan River. And I just want to say this. He activated his faith with his obedience. And the power wasn't in what he did. This is, this is semantics. The power was in his doing. And I know that sounds really similar, and maybe that's not the best thing, but I know what I'm saying. It's not him doing what he wanted to do to try to make things work. It was him doing what God told him to do. God doesn't need your help. You just do what he says to do. So here's the story. So the, the I don't know if he took off his sword and if he had his military apparel on and he goes wading into the muddy Jordan River. And I imagine he gets up to his waist or his chest, and all the servants are on the bank, and they're yelling at him, Master, dip, go under the water. And he's got leprosy, you know, his skin's all, ugh, and the nerves are dead, and he, you know, he's just, and his flesh is peeling away, and he's just, and he said, dip under the water. And he's standing in that muddy water, and, oh, and listen, we're not talking about Lake Joe Cassie. We're talking about Lake Hartwell water. Okay, everybody with me? Okay, Lake Hartwell. And so he's in there and says, ah. And, and so he, and he, and he goes, ah. Here goes. And he dips, and maybe, maybe pinched his nose. He dips under the water. Gets, comes up. Now he's wet, and he's wiping his eye, and there's dirt in his hair because all the silt instead of, and he's just, and it stinks. And he's like, ah. Oh. And, the, and they're like, people, the, the, the servants are like, way to go, master. You, you got one down, six to go. And I can imagine in his mind, he looks at his skin and nothing's changed. He's like, oh, is this going to work? Do I really need to do this? I mean, is this really true or am I, gonna just, am I wasting my time? I, do I need to just get out of the, here and just go on my way and learn to live with this? And just, or see, that, that's how the devil will work. That's how your mind will work, your flesh will work, try to talk you out of it. You can't let your mind or the devil tell you what to do. You let God tell you what to do. They're not your, your, your boss, your master, your king, your lord, your savior. He is. So they're cheering him on, and he went, and he dipped under the water again, and he comes up two times. He looks at his skin. Nothing's changed. Sometimes you pray, you pray, nothing's changed. We've all been there. But the, but the servants are going, way to go. Way to go, master, just five more times. And he dips under again, comes up, looks, nothing. Dips under again, looks at, meanwhile, he's getting water out of his ears, and they're yelling, way to go, master, just three more. The, 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 the prophet said seven, that's four. Four plus three is seven. <laughs> they could count. And, 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 and he's, wiping the dirt out of his eyes. He's like, oh, this is, oh. And they're like, no, go down. And so he dips the fifth time and he comes up. And they, come on, you're almost there. And he 
dips the sixth time and he comes up and he's like, look, nothing's changed. But I think something happened in him. It's not in the Bible, but I just know everything we do is by faith. And I just believe at that moment, God gave that old heathen some faith. I just think, now this is my sermon, I'll preach it the way I want to. I just really think that about that moment, something touched Naaman in, inside of him. And I, I don't know what God did. I just think God touched him. That I think by that sixth time, and he looked and there was leprosy. But I think something inside of him said, I'm almost there. I mean, what have I got to lose? I'm almost there. He said the seventh time, maybe I'm about to get my miracle. Maybe this thing is going to work. I got a feeling something's about to change in my life. And the servants are yelling, come on, one more time, go under. He said, if you go one more time. And Naaman dipped under one more time, y'all. And when he came up, I know this isn't in the Bible, but I'm Pentecostal and I know how God works. I believe at that moment while he was coming up, the healing power of God hit him. He felt something hit him on the top of the head and run like liquid honey through his body. He came up out of that water and said, whoo, what was that? It was a supernatural power of God. And when he looked at his skin the next time, the leprosy was gone and God didn't just give him the skin of an adult. He gave him the pure skin, the soft skin of a child, and he got his miracle. Why? Because he laid aside his pride and he didn't give up. He persisted until he got what he needed. I want you to stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) What an awesome story. That shows us we need a faith that keeps going and going and going. And so here's what I want to do this morning. Because of COVID-19, we've tried to do a lot of things and be careful. But this morning, I'm going to do something that I still will use wisdom. I want you to spread out in physical distance. If you have a mask, wear it. That's fine. We did this in the first service, and God touched a lot of people. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Chris, that message was for me. I'm going through a situation. I've been going through a situation. I've been praying. Nothing's happening. I needed to hear this today. I needed to be encouraged. I need need to just hold on to God's unchanging hand. I'm going to hang on until he comes through. I needed this. You don't know what I'm going through, Pastor, but I needed this. If that's you, I want you to step out, and I want you to come down to this altar this morning, and I want you to come here, because this is your area, and we're going to pray. And I believe that as you come down here, God is going to reinforce that faith that you're needing. You may be struggling. You may have felt like throwing in the towel and giving up. Come on, that's it. Start coming. I want you to spread out across this front. Come on, and don't let pride hold you back from coming to the altar. This is not the time after I preached on pride. This would be the worst time for you to stay back there and say, I'm afraid of what people think. You just spread out across this altar, spread out from each other. And as soon as you get down here, start praying and say, God, I needed this. Lord, help me not to give up. I'm committed and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe that you're going to bring me through this. And I'm not going to give up. There is no option. You are my hope. and, and, And your timing may be different than mine. But Lord, however long it takes... I'm going to pray until the answer comes. Pray until the victory comes. Pray until the miracle comes. Pray until the healing comes. God, I'm not going to let go until you come and show up in my life. Come on, just start praying all in these altars. That's it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. 
Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.